I'm excited. I'm blessed today to welcome Dave um, Elsog. He moved here years ago. How many years ago? With 15 years ago with his wife and family. His wife, Carrie, you can come on up here. <laughs> and um, with K2 to plant that church. And um, since that time, he's just been sewing into churches. And he has an organization called uh, Loving Utah that um, he leads. And I'm so thankful to be part of Loving Utah because that's one of those places where I get to network with other pastors and learn from other pastors and hear from them and see uh, what they're up to. And so um, I'm really thankful for your heart for this Thanks. region. I'm thankful for your encouragement to me. And we're blessed just to have you here today. So let's welcome Dave. All right. Thank you. Thanks for that great introduction, Sarah. And it's, it's been really fun working with uh, some of the leaders here uh, at the fellowship over the last year. And that's just exciting for us to be here. We live in South Jordan um, and uh, my family's here today. Well, uh, three quarters of them. Uh, our oldest daughter is back in Chicago. She's going to Moody Bible Institute and she just went back, just arrived yesterday back there. And so um, we had her here for the summer, but um, we like to travel. That's, I think, a San Diego trip. Um, we like the mountains, but we also like the ocean. I don't know if any of you like just to go on a beach and just like chill. Like that's, I just love to chill on the beach. So, you know, it's nice to have California just over the hill. Um, and so we're just glad to be here today. I, I do serve a lot of different churches. Moved here to be part of K2, the church, uh, BS staff. And my wife and I were both on staff there for several years. And now um, I'm leading a group called Loving Utah. And so we just are glad to be here today. Um, back in May, uh, it was the end of the school year for our fifth grader, Ella. She gave me permission to tell the story, but it was teacher appreciation day. So the night before we went out and got a gift for a teacher, wrapped it up really nice, um, set it on the dining room table. And as we were getting to go that day, there was also a lot of other stuff that had to happen at school that day. They needed something special for this and something special for that. And she needed her backpack, whatever. I said, do you got your gift? And she goes, yeah. And so as we're walking to the door, um, I see her grab the gift and I turn around. She goes, oh, I got to get one more thing. So she went back to get one more thing. And then we got in the car. It's about three minutes to school and we get driving to school and I drop her off. I say, have a great day, whatever. And I get back home. And I look on the dining room table and there's the teacher gift. So I was like, oh. So I didn't want to really get a phone call in the middle of the afternoon. Like, hey, can you bring the teacher gift? So I said, let's bring it back. And so I grabbed the gift, got in my car, drove to the parking lot. I had dropped her off early. So she was sitting in, out in the playground with her friends around a circle. They were talking and everything. And, and I just walked up and I set the gift next to her. I said, hey, did you forget something? She goes, I know, you know, like our kids do. And so I'm like, well, have a good day. And I turned around and I walked away and this girl sitting in her circle shouts, your dad is awesome. My dad would never do that. And I thought, oh my gosh, it made my day. Like I was smiling for a week hearing that, right? As I walked back to my car, I just couldn't, couldn't stop smiling. And uh, so my... So I, I've got some questions I want to kind of start and end the day with you, but do you know God the Father? Like, do you know how awesome God is, right? Do you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is it real? Is it true? Is it, 
Is it a good relationship with Jesus? And that's the question today. And I'd love for you uh, today to just even do a self-examination. That's, that's the best way. I mean, I can come up here and, and tell you stuff that I know or I think I know. But I think it's really good for us whenever we hear God's word um, to reflect on it on our own hearts and where we are today. Because I do that when I'm reading through the scripture and, and, and I, I look at the Bible and I say, man, am I living up to this? Am I living up to the words of Jesus, right? Am I, am I, am I having a relationship with Jesus or I'm just doing stuff the way I want to? Back when I first started in ministry, long time ago. Um, I was just fresh out of Bible college. We were at this small church in Northwest Missouri. And this, he's kind of a new believer. And he was part of our church. And he came to me and he's like, he goes, Dave, he goes, I just, I just had a really bad dad. Like my dad was just bad. He was abusive. He wasn't very, very kind and, and all this stuff. And I just don't think I can really believe that God is good and God is kind. And, and I, I just don't, you know, and so he put, he put his, his father's face on God and kind of said, well, if God's a father and my father was not very great, then God must not be very great. You know, how do I get over that? And he goes, now I have a young daughter and, and I want to be a good father to her, but like, I just don't get this. And, and so I didn't know what to say. So I, I quickly prayed and I said, okay, God, what, how do I answer this? Like, they didn't teach me this in Bible college. So I, I got to figure out how to give answers, right? I'm a pastor now, so what do I do? Um, and I prayed and it was, it was the Holy Spirit that inspired me in this moment because I just said, I said, Cliff, I said, think of the most perfect father. Just imagine the most perfect father you can think of. All right, just think of that father. Okay, got that, that picture? That father that would be perfect? Not your father, but a perfect father? I said, now, God is a mi at least a million times better than that. And he was like, okay. And we never had that conversation again. It was pretty awesome. And he had a change in his heart. And I saw him becoming a, even a greater father to his daughter uh, who grew up and now is an adult and she's in ministry. And it's really cool to kind of know that story and to see. And sometimes um, we can put our father's face on God. But God wants us to know that he's a greater father than any of us could ever be. And so, um, if your God looks like, acts like, reacts like your father, you might not have a perfect father. But if your God is greater, a million times greater, a billion times greater, a trillion times greater than the most perfect father on earth, that's who our father is. I want to share with you a story about a guy named Carl. Um, a recent friend of mine, I met him a couple years ago. We met on a phone and, and on, te on um, text and, and email, whatever. Um, but I'd never really met Carl in person before. Uh, I finally did. And, and Carl, he, he told me his story. He said for the first 39 years of his life, he grew up very religious. And he, as a religious person, he, he did what he thought was right. He did what he was told. 
Um, he, but as a religious person, he never even read his Bible, never even opened his Bible. And he was an upstanding person, rose up in leadership, but he, he would say he never had a relationship with Jesus. He never had a relationship with God the Father. And what's interesting is for 10 years, him and his wife would just listen to Christian music. They, they were turning the dial on the radio one day and they were listening and they're like, oh, this song is about Jesus. This is, this is really uplifting. This is, so they started listening to K-Love or whatever other Christian radio. And, they, and if a Christian concert would come to town, they would be like, let's go to a Christian concert. They're really uplifting to my spirit. And so that's what they did. But still, living the very religious life, not having a relationship with God, but really intrigued by this music. And, he and I said, well, what, what changed, Carl? Because now I'm talking to Carl, who's a pastor at a church. And I'm like, Carl, what changed? And he said, well, we went to this concert in 2013. They were singing, and one of the, one of the musicians got up. He opened up his Bible. He started talking. And he goes, I don't know what happened. He goes, I walked in that auditorium, one Carl, I walked out a different Carl. He goes, I didn't know what happened to me. <laughs> and he was right. I didn't know what happened. So he's like, what, what do I do? What do I do? And he goes, well, I've been passing, I've been driving by this church. So I'm going to stop in at this church and just ask them if they can help me and tell me what just happened to me. And Carl had, a, had an encounter with Jesus and he was different. He was totally different. And so this pastor gave him Bible studies. He said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start in my Bible. Tell me. And so the pastor started doing Bible studies with them and Bible studies with them. He became a student of the Bible. He fell in love with Jesus. He understand who God was. And he became a pastor at his church. And recently he's just moved to another town to be a pastor at a church in Duchesne, Utah. And what I see is so amazing is that that's what God does. He wakes us up, right? We can all fall into the trap of being religious, right? Every single one of us. We like our preference. We like the way, we like certain songs. We like the certain ways things are taught. We like certain authors. We kind of get our religious preference, right? And if somebody disagrees with that religious preference, we get all ruffled, don't we? Oh yeah, well, you know, whatever. I mean, we're holier than you are holy. I mean, we believe this and you believe that. We can all do that. I know for myself I can do that. I can become very religious very fast. Sometimes I go, am I, am I, I ask myself sometimes, I look in the mirror, I go, is my attitude that of Jesus or is my attitude that of a Pharisee? Because oftentimes they were very close in their beliefs, but their attitudes were totally different. And sometimes I can have an attitude of a Pharisee. I don't know about you. You guys are probably way better at this than me. But we can all be trapped by religion. Would it surprise you if I said that the greatest conflict that Jesus had with anyone in his ministry were religious people? And especially the religious leaders. Religious leaders drove Jesus crazy. Because he was saying one thing, 
and they were saying another thing, and they thought they were talking about the same thing. But Jesus is like, no, you, you don't understand what it is. And so Jesus had this constant, consistent conflict with religious leaders, and Jesus was always persistently inviting them into a relationship with him and the Father. As they were saying, religion, 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 Jesus was saying, relationship, relationship, relationship. And they just weren't getting it. When Jesus came, and we can read this in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When Jesus came, he taught with authority. He taught truth. People began to listen to him. People get, began to follow him. And this actually made the religious leaders very angry at times. And Jesus held no political office. He just spoke of freedom. He spoke of truth. He spoke of life. And he always pointed people to God the Father and to himself and to the relationship that they could have with him. I don't know about you, but every one of us has probably had a different type of religious uh, experience. Every one of us, right? Some of us, our parents took us to a religious service, and that's where you went. Because when your mama says, get dressed, we're going to church, or we're going to our religious service, or whatever, what do you do? You do it, right? So when we're a child, we don't really have a choice of where we go to worship, if we even have that opportunity, right? If our parents would say that. Some of you may have grown up as a child, and you had no religious background. You might have known some religious kids or other kids in your school, but you might have not grown up with it at all. A lot of people I've met have like changed religions multiple times. Like they're like, I tried this for a while. Oh, it wasn't working out. I tried this for a while. Oh, well, it wasn't working out. But what Jesus is coming against is he's in the setting of first century Jerusalem and the religious leaders are the Jewish leaders of his time. And they were the, supposed to be the chosen ones of God. Like they were the children of Abraham. But yet, they were so religious. I don't know what comes to your mind when, when I say the word religion, but we've all got a thought. We've all got a background. We all have an understanding of what that is. So being in ministry for 30 years and then having studied church history and world history and... and um, watching the news, and sometimes religious stuff gets on the news, right? And you and I have both seen religion at its best and religion at its worst, right? And those are the only stories that ever get on. And it's usually on the news, it's religion at its worst gets on the news. Is that not, not right? And so we don't always hear, but, you know, religion at its best, right, Religious leaders at their best care for the poor, the widow, the orphan. They care deeply about leading people to the truth of Jesus. They feed the hungry in the name of Jesus, clothe the naked, give hope to the nations, rescue people from spiritual darkness, and bring them into spiritual light. That is religious leaders at their best, right? But then there's religious leaders at their worst, and we've all seen this filled with greed or selfish ambition. Sometimes they're even sexual predators, right? Who are trying to lie to people, deceive people for their own pleasure, for their own gain. They care nothing about the truth, but they only 
want to deceive their followers. And they say they represent God, but they don't. They actually are enemies of the one true God, and they devour and they destroy, and they lead people to spiritual death. And that's religious leaders at its worst. And there's probably a spectrum between both the best and the worst on all of that. And so we have all experienced some type of that. But here's the truth. The truth is that reliance on religion has never been the answer. It never has been and never will be. From the dawn of time, man has tried to figure out religion, tried to create religion, and it's never been the answer, and it never will be. But relationship with Jesus has always been the answer, and it always has been, and it always will be. From the beginning of mankind to now, Jesus has always been the answer, a relationship with him. You know, religion asks a lot of us, right? It asks us to give and to serve, to follow rules and regulations and rituals and, and strive for position. Religion says, believe, behave, act a certain way, dress a certain way, eat this, don't eat that. Trust us, doubt your doubts. Religion requires a lot of us. And what Jesus said, he said basically the same thing. You religious leaders, you require a lot of the people and you put burdens on their backs of all these things you're asking them to do. And you won't even carry that burden yourself. <laughs> and so Jesus says, I want relationship. So would it surprise you if I were to say Jesus was not a religious figure? <laughs> And he didn't ask anyone to join a religion or to do religious things. Jesus only invited people into relationship. And what I find is interesting as I look around and, and many churches, I see that, you turn, that religious people will turn what Jesus had as a point of relationship with his disciples into some kind of a ritual that you just do. You just do this. Well, that's because we just do that. Why do we do that? We just do that because we do that, right? And so we, we strip away the relational piece of what Jesus was doing, and we kind of replace that with just a ritual or a rite. So Jesus encountered religious leaders uh, who were aligned politically. They were controlling others with rules. They had rituals, regulations, and they claimed to be the true keepers of the one true way to God. And that's what they claimed. They claimed we know the one true God and we're doing that. And as we go into John chapter, we're going to look at John chapter 8 today, but the religious leaders, they were trying to demolish Jesus' message. Jesus brought this message of relationship and they were trying to demolish it with their religious arguments. And I want you to, I want to throw some words up here on the screen and some words of relationship that Jesus invites us to. And you're going to hear these words as we read out of John chapter 8 today. But Jesus says, follow me. Believe me. Trust me. Know me. Find freedom in me. Do those sound like rituals to you? Do they sound like, well, here's the four steps to doing stuff. No. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to follow me. To believe 
the words I'm saying, to trust the things I'm inviting you to, to know me and to know the Father. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. He's not inviting us into a religion. He's not inviting us to a religious service. He's inviting us to him in relationship with him and to the Father. And as I was meditating on John chapter 8, and I've been thinking about this chapter, I think, all year, all of 2021. I just keep coming back to this chapter, so you're getting what I've been, God has been pouring into me. I finally was asking the question, could someone claim that God was their father and he not be? Could someone say, yeah, God's my father and he not be their father? Well, I think the answer is clear, and you're going to see what Jesus says about that here in John chapter 8. You know, at, at Jesus' time, some of the religious leaders were very curious about Jesus. Some of them uh, were very in conflict with Jesus. Um, some of them even believed secretly in Jesus. Like, it says that, that they believed in secret, like they didn't want to share. Some, some believed, but they were scared that if, if they were to say something, they would be kicked out of their religion. Um, so they didn't want that. And when you read John chapter 8, the religious leaders were very confused about what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the Father. It's very interesting. We'll see that in a moment. So when you read John chapter 8, um, as the word Father is used, it refers to three different fathers. Okay? Now, how many have seen Let's Make a Deal? All right? How many have seen it but won't admit it that they've watched Let's Make a Deal? Let's Make a Deal is a, is, a, is a TV show. People dress up in costumes and they get, different contestants get pulled up and they get offered stuff. And they're like, you can have this envelope. And they open the envelope, 600 bucks. Awesome. Well, you could trade this 600 bucks for what's behind door number one or door number two or door number three. Now behind door number one, two, and three, there's always, uh, one of the doors always has an awesome prize, right? It's like a new car or, you know, a trip to Hawaii, whatever. It's always an awesome prize behind one. And then there's kind of a lesser prize behind another door. It's like a new washer and dryer. You're like, uh, yeah, well, I guess I could use a washer and dryer, but it's not like a new car or a trip to Hawaii, right? And then behind one of the other doors is a zonk. Okay, and a zonk means you lose. You forfeited your 600 bucks. You picked the wrong door, and it's a zonk. Right? That's what happens on Let's Make a Deal. Okay, so, and you can watch it on CBS. It's still on today. Wayne Brady, he's kind of a funny guy. I kind of like watch it from time to time. All right, now you know. Okay. So, so Jesus is talking about three fathers behind the curtains. And these guys don't know. The guys he's talking to, the religious leaders, they don't really know what he's talking about. And he's saying behind one door is the one true God. God the Father. He is awesome. He is the best prize of everything. He's the creator of all things. He's awesome. The God the Father. And then behind another door, there's kind of a lesser father. There's Abraham. Father Abraham, you might have sung that song, Father Abraham, it's many sons. I don't know if you've ever sung that song. Um, but Father Abraham from Genesis, like he was the father of, of the, the, the Jewish nation. Okay, like that's, 
That's, he's a good father, right? Good example. The father of faith. Um, but yet, kind of a lesser prize, right? And then there's curtain number three, or door number three. And Jesus says, that's where your father is. Your father's behind there. I'm not going to tell you who that is yet. Let's go. Finally, to John chapter, 12, John chapter 8. And I'm going to be going through it, skipping a few verses. But in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again, so he's at the temple, and all these religious leaders were around him, and all the crowds were around him, he spoke again. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a bold statement. If you follow me, again, follow. That's a, that's a, that's a relational thing. If you follow me, you will have the light of life. I don't know about you, but I love living in the light of life. And maybe you're not experiencing the light of life. Maybe you're experiencing the darkness of religion or the darkness of sin. But Jesus says, I'm going to come in. I'm going to give you the light of life. Life that's lit up where everything's exposed and God's goodness is exposed to all of us. And Jesus says in verse 16, he says, I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies of myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, well, who's your father? That's a good question, right? Who's your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. So Jesus is pointing out to them, when Jesus is saying, I know my Father, He's like, I know Him. You don't know Him. Now you're supposed to know Him, right? You, you go to the synagogue and you talk about Him. You read the Scriptures about Him. And about Moses and Abraham and all these things, but you don't know my father. And Jesus points that out to him. And again, he's inviting them into relationship. No, I want you to know me. He's standing in front of them and goes, I want you to know me. I'm not distant. God's not distant. And here Jesus was standing right in front of them. He's standing right in front of them. Jesus, God in the flesh saying, I want you to know me, and I want you to know my Father. But they didn't recognize him. And so today, again, reflecting on our own lives, like how is our relationship? How is your relationship with God the Father? How is your relationship with Jesus? Is it, is it, is it distant? Was it, was it on fire some time ago, but maybe it's waned a little bit? Or is it ready to go? And is it a daily walk with him? Verse 27, it says, they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. They were really confused, weren't they? So Jesus says, when you have lifted the Son of Man, lifted up the Son of Man, 
then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. So right at that very moment, there were some people who at the very moment, they're like, I can know God. I can know Jesus. And they believed right there at that moment. Isn't that cool? And that's for us too. Like if we are living in, in religion or living in disbelief or we're kind of living for ourselves, guess what we can do? We can believe right now. In a moment, we can believe. We can put our faith in him. You know, Jesus further explains like what his relationship with his father, and he says, it's close. See, I know the father. I do what the father's teaching me. I, I don't do anything on my own. I really thought about that verse. I don't do anything on my own, just what the father says for me to do. And I thought, how many times have I done so many things on my own? Like, I'm just like, I got this figured out. I got this. I, my thoughts are not always that great. I have a lot of ideas. Some of them are good. Most of them are not that good, right? Here, Jesus, even Jesus, who is God, says, I don't do anything on my own. I do it with the Father. What He taught me, what He teaches me, what He's pouring into me, that's what I do. Imagine having that life, right? Where we're walking around and we're just listening to the Father. <laughs> and we're doing what He's asking us to do. And Jesus, in other places, Jesus says, I'll be with you always. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Trust me. I am not a distant God. I am right here. I'm right here in front of you today. And I'm right here in your presence. So some of them started believing in Jesus right there. They heard him. They started listening to him, believing him. And then in verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed in him, right? He says, well, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, but we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we should be set free. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but the, a son belongs to it forever. And whoever the son sets free, you, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Get this. We can get stuck in religious patterns. We can get stuck in our own religious thought. We can get stuck in our own poor behavior, decisions, not listening to God. But Jesus is standing there saying to them, you are slaves, but you can be set free. You enslaved yourself to sin, but you can be set free. You enslaved yourself to your religious thought, but you can be set free free. 
And if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. You can be free from addiction. You can be free from destructive behaviors. You can be free from your religious thinking. And then in verse uh, 37, he says this. Now, I know that you are Abraham's descendant, Jesus said. Yet, you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that what I have seen in my Father's presence and what you are doing, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. They said, Abraham is our father, they answered. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do as Abraham did. As it is, you are trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. Wow. This is where it starts to get a little tense, okay? It's getting a little tense at the temple today, okay? Just be honest with you. Like, Jesus has told them, you, your father is not my father. You don't know my father. And he's speaking directly about God. You don't know him. You don't know me. And then they come back and they say, well, look, I mean, heredity. We can look at our inheritance, our heredity, our, our, our genetics, our, our ancestry, and we look back to Abraham. He's our father. Are you greater than Abraham? Like, like how could you have a father that's even greater than Abraham? And Jesus says, no, you are not doing what, I, what, what my father is saying for you to do. You are doing what your father says. And then in verse 41, it says this. They say, we are not illegitimate children. They protested. I guess they must have said it pretty loudly. I guess they're protesting. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Wow. Think about that. If God were your father... You would love me. He's always already offered them, follow me, know me, trust me. I'm here to give you life. I'm the light of life. I, uh, you rejected every one of those. And if you really knew my father, you would love me. For I come from God. I have not come on my own, but God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Why are you still so confused? Because you are able, unable to hear what you say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Oh, wait a minute. We're behind curtain number three is their father. They did not expect that. See, when they were talking to Jesus, they thought they were talking about God the Father, Father Abraham, like they were talking about, we have this special, uh, we have this special relationship with God the Father. And Jesus says, "If God were your Father, you would love me. 
If you were Abraham's children, then you'd do what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? When God spoke to him, he dropped everything he had. He moved across the world. And God told him, he said, God, where, do you, where are you sending me? He goes, just go, and I'll tell you when you get there. You know, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him righteousness. His righteousness came from his personal relationship with God and his belief in God that God was going to take care of him. God was going to lead him. God was going to direct him. God was going to fulfill the promise that he would be the father of many nations. He believed in God. And Jesus says, behind curtain number three, I'm sorry to tell you this, guys. You're following your own father and his desires. And he wants to kill me. And you are going to do that. Now, they didn't get very happy about that. They're like, oh, we're not trying to kill you, Jesus. No, 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 no. Right? We're not trying to kill you, Jesus. Well, what happens at the end of the chapter is this. They pick up stones and they start chasing Jesus out of the temple. <laughs> They're like, we're going to kill this guy, right? Because he claimed to be God, who he was. So as we, as we wrap this up today, I want to go back to these three questions that I asked you at the beginning, right? This is what I want you to know. Do you know God the Father, right? Who's your father, is your Father good and awesome and amazing? Is He the one true God? And do you know how awesome He is? And how's your relationship with Jesus and the Father right now? You're the only one that can answer that question. You're the only one who, who knows where your relationship with Jesus and the Father are. You know, spending time in His Word is so important. What I love about being alive in the world of technology is like, we can listen to the Bible on an app. We don't, I used to have these CDs that I would listen. We used to have tapes that we'd put in a, you know, and fast forward and get to the right chapter. Then I had CDs of the Bible and now we have an app. So I can just pop it on my phone, put my earphones in, walk, go on a walk around my neighborhood. And I can listen, I can listen to the whole book of John in one walk. It's kind of cool. I'm like, this is really cool. But I would challenge you, if, if you're struggling with this, if you're struggling with your relationship with God, maybe it's been put on pause. Maybe you've just never even really thought about, I can have a relationship with God. I can have a relationship with Jesus. I'd, I'd challenge you to just read John chapter 8. Just get into John chapter 8 and read it. And look for, look for these words. Look for follow, believe, trust, knowing, finding freedom in Jesus. That's what he offers us today. A relationship, not a religion. So I want to pray for, for you guys today, and then we're going to continue on with our service. Father, we just thank you for sending Jesus. What an amazing plan that you came up with. And we thank you, Jesus, for coming. And um, you said, you'll know, you'll know that I, who I am and who the Father is when you lift the Son of Man up, which meant that was going to be your crucifixion where the Son of Man would be lifted up on a stick, on a tree, killed before all mankind, for all mankind, because you love us that much, but you didn't stay there, you rose from the dead. 
and you reign on high. You sit on the throne and you love us and you care for us and you said you would never leave us or forsake us. So Jesus, draw us to you this week. Draw us to relationship with you. Draw us to friendship with you, Jesus. Draw us to listen to the Father and do what the Father asks, like you did, Jesus. Help us to do that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.